Welcome back to There Will Be Movies. This is a podcast talking about 25 of our favourite movies from A Chosen Decade. Volume 4 is the 1980s. Episode 93 is Robocop. My name is Matt Waters. I'm joined on this fantastic endeavour. Not for much longer. We're running out of road by Ben Phillips. Ben. But Matt, where we're going, we don't need roads. Oh, I mean, you're a bit late on that one. But still valid. <laughs> you're having a fun time. I'm having a great time. I'm tired. Oh, I've been, I'm tired. I've, I've, been, I've been feisty on like the last like five episodes of this show. Yeah. <laughs> Between like hangovers and like not sleeping because I've been at movie festivals and just my entire life collapsing around me. Yeah. Uh, I thought and... I was going to be the grouchy one this morning because I, being a very <laughs> clever young man, well, basketball's back, baby. And uh, a game started at half <laughs> I was, was going to text you and basically say, because someone posted, like, they were like, happy start of the NBA day. And I was like, oh, I need to tell Matt his yeah. favorite season is on. Yeah. Not oh, that he doesn't know. Yeah. Don't worry. I was watching. As of this recording, Boston Celtics, 2-0, Portland Trailblazers, I don't know, their second game was last night and I will watch it after this recording. <laughs> In my head, they're still 1-0. They may have lost last night, they probably did, but I will find out afterwards. Yeah, I'm going to Google it now and hold this information over you for the entire episode. That feels unnecessary. Ooh, okay. <laughs> there we go, I now know the information. Okay. A game started at half midnight and it was like 10 past midnight and I'm like, I should really be asleep, I know I have to be up early. And then uh, I watched the whole thing, and it was 3 a.m. Oh, no, don't, don't worry, I went to bed at 10, and then I got woken up at 1, and I didn't get to sleep again until 4, so... Amazing stuff. This yep. is going to be our finest work, I think. And speaking of finest works, <laughs> well, maybe not quite, but our good, good friend, Paul Verhoeven, is back. I think this is his best movie. I slightly prefer Starship Troopers, because That's I fine. think... That's fine, I think it's, it's those two other two. I think making Robocop made him understand... <laughs> how to do Starship Troopers, because by his own admission, when he read the script for this movie, written by uh, Edward Neumeyer, who who would write Starship Troopers, and uh, Michael Miner, when he read that script, he didn't get it, really, and because he wasn't, you know, he isn't fluent in English. It's I, his second English language movie. Yeah, and his wife read it and was like, oh, no, 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 it's about, like, losing your identity and, and things like that, and he finally agreed to do it. And then, you know, it ends up with many of the same tropes and on the nose, like, like, God bless America. You make fun of them to their fucking face, <laughs> and they go, boy, sure is cool when he puts his gun in his leg, isn't it? <laughs> we'll take three of these, many TV shows, video games, comic books, a reboot, a, re a prequel series, another film... To their credit, it is real cool when he puts his gun in his leg, but you miss the point. <laughs> I think that's the thing. Is like it's so funny that this movie is as violent as it is. Yes, so so hyper violent. And like, I mean, what the the scene where the executive gets shot in the in the office by by a two hundred nine glorious piece of. I, I like anyone who doesn't get that because this is another one exactly like Starship Troopers and what I was getting at with you can make fun of America to their face there are so many people that just think Robocop and Starship Troopers and to a lesser extent Total Recall which probably has less of a message than the other two they just think they're straight up action movies and like it was a better time when they were politics free <laughs> and weren't trying to say anything and I'm like a murder bot hilariously gunned down an executive in an office and they just treat it like oopsie 
<laughs> this is going to hurt the share prices. And he dies all over their model, their dystopian model city of the future. And I'm like, I can't make a more clear piece of symbolism for you if you they don't are literally, understand. They, they are literally building a city over Detroit to get rid of the poor people so the rich people can live in the city of the future. Yes. It, it's, they have they have bought the police. Yes, they own the police. It's Final Fantasy VII. Blade Runner's obviously got the like slums underneath, and then yeah, like, it's, it's, future it's Blade Runner, on top. which where the idea comes from. Uh, you know, working on Blade Runner, I think without pay because it was just filming next to his fucking office. He was like, oh, I'll just watch how films are made, and then gets the idea for uh, this robotic cop. Yeah, it, it's so funny. I think Ed Two Hundred Nine, the death scene, is still the highest number of squibs ever used on an actor. It's just comic, like. It's that thing, like, um, again, I don't know how it keeps coming up, I'm sorry, but in in Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, (laughs) which you remember very well. I do. There is a sketch they talk about called Tarantino's Thanksgiving, and they have rigged a turkey with a comical number of squibs, and the prop department think it's too many, and that's meant to be the joke, and they have to keep fighting him on it, and then it airs with a normal number of squibs and it's just disturbing rather than funny (laughs) and it's kind of like that this is so over the top that it's funny and if it were more like realistic it would just be like whatever but it's that he gets shot just so many times he gets shot so many times and then they barely react they react like you know there's a little bit of terror but it's not like they're like shrieking and screaming like well work has to finish for the day now and we have to call the police and we have to like you know all get counselling and new jobs they're just like this is going to set us back in share prices or, or like yeah and then and then obviously michael uh, miguel ferreira comes in and goes like oh. "Ooh, i've got my idea <laughs> war it's fantastic um that's a line apparently it took them shots. two days it took them two days to film that scene amazing because they kept on having to like obviously like when that guy's got so much blood coming out of him they have to like <laughs> just go away have a shower <laughs> get the squibs reapplied yeah, that's, put not, on new that's clothes. not that's not a reset from one type shot that is a uh <laughs> right well that's the day i love how basically everyone making this was convinced they were making something shit it was a b-movie at best it was a gig. Like Miguel Ferrer was like, I didn't think it would be anything, but I was desperate for work. So I was like, yeah, okay, fine, whatever. And he would later call it like this, the best sum of his life. <laughs> While Peter Weller was like, this is the most miserable film I've ever made because of the costume. And Verhoeven was like, yeah, that fucking sucked because of all the special <laughs> effects. And yet against everything, as I alluded to with all those things it got, absolute monster hit. I mean, kind of not a monster hit at the box office, but, you know, becomes... We've talked Terminator, we've talked... It wasn't in the podcast, but we've talked Predator. All these... You know, we've, we've mentioned Alien. You know, all these things are, like, all percolating around and become huge, huge kind of cult I mean, hit. Well, it is, doesn't even is... feel right to say a cult hit. Like, they've become these giant mimetic legacy things. Like, Robocop was showing up in wrestling and, like, had a regular-ass kids' TV show and, uh, and is everywhere. Yeah. I think that's the thing that kind of, like, sets this one apart is that, like... It's, it's the emblematic one of the 80s trend of R-rated movies getting mm-hmm. kids' TV shows and whatnot. Yes, and like, yes. like I don't think any other one kind of, like, makes less sense than this one. No. 
like you look at Ghostbusters and you're like, yeah, I can see, like, yes, yeah. Ghostbusters has got some like raunchy humor, <laughs> but like, I can see why. That is the one that started it, isn't it? I, I like, knew there was another one I'd forgotten about that was like a huge influence on a lot of people's personalities and had an inappropriate like merchandising wing. And it, I was all I could think of was Terminator and Predator, and I was like, but Predator wasn't on the podcast. It's, it's Ghostbusters. It's yeah. Ghostbusters is one that like you're like, wow, they made a TV show out of that. I'm like, Slimer I mean, becomes the fucking mascot of the franchise, and it's just exactly. like throwaway ghost in that movie. <laughs> And as we said, there is a blowjob joke in that movie. Yes, and many other whereas, sexy I mean, this movie, jokes. Whereas this movie is kind of like emblematic in terms of it's it's like I wonder what comes first because obviously the cartoon or the first cartoon is 1988, so the year after this runs for 12 episodes. I think it's fairly standard for kind of what animated shows that they're just kind of like churning out doing at that point but i have to imagine that's a lot of people's first seeing of of robocop and then there's the tv show in 1994 which is playing off of the tone more of which robocop 3 i remember seeing as a child on itv yeah. episodes at like 4 p.m in the afternoon kind of thing 3 p.m on a saturday blissfully unaware of I mean, I talked to you about this. Like, there is a four TV cut of this movie, which is like, what came first? Did the cartoon come first, or did the four TV cut come first, or were they like <sighs> in, no coming idea. together at the same time? Where they're like, let's let's relaunch this for kids because you know what kids are going to want? Kids are all into their Transformers and whatnot in the eighties. Like, let's get them Robot Man. And his gun goes and, into his leg, Ben. It does go into his leg. <laughs> I think in the show, because obviously it has to be cheaper. Whenever you see his gun go into his leg, his whole leg opens and there's clearly a lot of just, like, hollow space. And I think in the show, just, like, a bit, like, slides out to the right, like a holster, and he puts it in and then it slides But it's very obviously, in. like, it's very obviously, like, behind his leg and it, like, yeah, slides out. or next to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. And I, you know, grew up, like, yeah, I know what Robocop is and I watch the show and I've seen the film and all this. And then I vividly remember listening to podcasts and they're like, yeah, remember when you see the, the real version of Robocop for the first time? And you're like, oh my god. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> and when I saw that man's hand <laughs> fucking explode and then them just shoot him over and over again. And then they fucking headshot the motherfucker and they take him to hospital. I'm like, you have chosen the wrong building unless that <laughs> hospital has a morgue attached because <laughs> he's clearly dead. But he's not. That super fucked me up. Like, I... Another one where I was just walking around for a long time and then uh, learned original Robocop is a rated R hyper-violent movie. And without that violence, you are missing a great part of the satire. But um... Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, I don't, it's, it's baffling to think that I mean, obviously, Orion Pictures were never one of the like big the big companies in in America. I think they're owned by Amazon through MGM now. Sadly, okay. I remember seeing their logo a lot though. <laughs> like, oh, Orion! Like a... Orion in the eighties and nineties was like one of the fucking best yeah. studios. Platoon mm. and this movie and Silence of the Lambs and Dances with Wolves, Adam's, Adam's Family, Terminator. Like they are Amadeus. Come on. I mean, they're fucking like <laughs> their their run in that kind of era was really fucking great, yeah. and then obviously they just kind of like faded away over time as happens with these studios. But it, obviously they don't have as invested an interest as you do if you have like corporate overlords to make this like <laughs> toothless or anything like that. And obviously you have to imagine there are certain places or certain creators in Hollywood like Paul Verhoeven who are seeing what Reagan is doing in office. Yes. 
and they're not wanting to touch people who are owned by the big companies and stuff like that. And I, yeah. sadly, I cannot remember what studios own what company at what point and stuff like that. Like, who knows if Coca-Cola owned, owned Columbia at this point or, <laughs> or whatever fucking weird corporate bullshit happens every five years where these companies just kind of trade hands every so often. Yeah, well, they're just like, mm, I'm bored. I will buy a company from a completely different industry for some reason. <laughs> I have to assume, like, in the, t- in the case of AT&T, which is obviously the one that all yeah. of us are fucking thinking about at the moment, is they buy they buy warner brothers because they're just like movies make money (laughs) we like making money let's buy this and then they buy them as a tech company and then they go oh no movie companies run up a lot of debt yes they make money very slowly and and like work up a lot of debt and it's a lot of like we're spending a billion this year and we will make three billion in five years and tech is very like boom 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 release the product done we're billionaires cash out ruin the market and then they sell it to an even more horrible well no they just merge it don't they? they've they've merged it but they've left the company that makes cheap shit on the side yeah to run it i don't i will never understand how the fucker in charge of the smaller company has been left in charge of the merged company and it's just like hmm let's erase animation from existence <laughs> pull it from every platform there are no physical copies and the creators don't own the rights and cannot legally talk about them bye (laughs) and we get a tax break from the u.s government robocop was right fuck corporations exactly i mean (laughs) that is what this movie is so thoroughly fundamentally about it's 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 really it is two tracks isn't it where like it is an anti anti corporation anti anti capitalist movie mm-hmm. but then it is also a movie about hope and self identity yes, and the human and... spirit and triumph in the face of of, of existentialism and i'm not quite sure where it falls on cops to be honest that like, is the that is i the know one the thing. sequels are way more pro cop and i just i think this is neither being like Hey, this is neither copaganda. I mean, on a surface level, it's like, oh, look at this cool cop. He's a robot man. Aren't cops cool? But, like, I don't think it's either trying to make the cops look incompetent or glorious. Like... I mean, I think I think the the most interesting level of it is is the fact that Dick Jones is in cahoots with the cops and with Bodica. Like He's he has in cahoots got, he's... with the cops to the extent that he their company owns them. He has no... But he's like put just the, put the code. In, he's put the code into RoboCop and all the rest of it. And yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just in, like we have this backdrop of an impending strike um, for the cops. They want to strike because of conditions, because of being owned by you know. This is also you know an anti-privatization movie. I guess that is packaged up with corporations. But yeah, they they casually in their boardroom toss off like, oh yeah, we've made money in sectors that traditionally don't make money, like schools and hospitals and prisons. It's like, oh yay, <laughs> the things that you hear the government talk about wanting to privatize on a regular basis in the UK in America. They're already they've already like, it, yeah, the prison <laughs> industrial complex already has been going strong for several years. Also, this podcast has been going longer than Liz Truss was in office and that's fun. This volume of the podcast is so many, longer. so many things have gone longer than Liz Truss. <laughs> she <laughs> trying to f- buy a house has gone longer than Liz Truss's <laughs> prime pre- minister. She uh, is the only prime minister uh, since Doctor Who started that yep. has not had an episode of Doctor Who air while she was in office and that's I such th- a weird metric. <laughs> it's such a weird metric that I absolutely love and I mean she technically will have an episode tomorrow yeah, but like she stepped down before it happened, so mm-hmm. we don't count her as a real. Did you see that graph that is like number of Elizabeths <laughs> yeah, of in charge? <laughs> it goes from one to two to zero. Oh, fuck you and your weird libertarian policies or whatever. 
And if Rishi just slides, I mean, this will date the whole thing, because presumably we'll have a Prime Minister by the time this airs, I hope. If Rishi slides into it, he will be double unelected, because he was chosen neither by the party or his pe- or the people. I mean, I think um, the funniest outcome is Boris Johnson gets Just it. comes back. If Boris Johnson comes back, and then this, this pending legal inquiry against him in the in, mm. in thing comes out and says he has to be debarred from, or has to be kicked out of the Conservative Party, and he has to resign again before Christmas, is the funniest version of this. Yeah, wearing his blue make Britain great again hats anyway that's a different what, dystopian what, future what a fucking shit show I mean it it says a lot that we can talk about this stuff still now and just how the the poison that was Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher's yeah. politics and how like they have just seeped into the world and just made everything die yeah. and like, god bless Peter Weller like a lot of these actors of this era were like are now like hardcore right wing fuckers and he's like, yeah, fuck trickle-down economics. That helps nobody. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're correct. It's weird how most people didn't see that. I forget how we got onto this point in the first place. Oh, I, I mean, yeah, the, there is the impending cop strike happening and they go on strike at the end and then, like, some of them are, like, trying to help murder Robocop and some of them are like, let's be Robocop's friend. And it is actually quite a feat to, in an inherently, incredibly politically charged movie to be ambiguous about your stance on the police <laughs> but I, they I, managed it, it so it is interesting because i think they're like police do some good but then yeah. there's just a point where like it's still that thing where like he comes up to people and they're doing their most minor crime and robocop oh, is just like i know how i know sorry yeah i guess i should have made this clearer um i guess i was like siding i was i was putting alex murphy and robocop to the side and talking about the police in general but yeah murphy like on his first day on the job is like fucking doing his signature gun spins like right in front of a bunch of civilians and maybe these are future guns that couldn't fire unless they're switched on but he's just fucking playing with his gun that he could drop and it could go off and then yeah as robocop he's obviously not as extreme as ed 209 who is like hey you have 15 seconds or i murder you (laughs) but he is still just like like, every time he shows up, I'm like, thank goodness he was here to de-escalate this situation. <laughs> he just wrecks shit and then walks off. I mean, and he does, like, risky shit. And obviously, I mean, obviously the most famous one is the is the sexual assault scene <laughs> where he shoots shoots through the woman's dress. To shoot, to shoot a guy in the dick. And then it's like, and she's, like, screaming and trying to hug him. He's like, madam, you have experienced distress. I've called the rape council centre. It's like, one, good that they still have those in whatever year this is supposed to be. But two, read the room. <laughs> Not what she was seeking in that moment. Yeah. Do you want to know what my least favourite part about the Robocop remake is? Uh, all of it. <laughs> I mean, okay, it's not. This isn't a bad thing because Michael K. Williams is a great actor. Yes, obviously, excellent. rest in peace. But he's the person who plays the partner in that movie. Yes, and I and think it's... so much. I think so much of what makes this movie work is the fact that his partner is a woman mm-hmm. like, who there is no romantic connection with whatsoever. Yes, that Verhoeven was like, cut your hair, cut your hair, cut your hair, cut your hair. Eight times they cut her hair until it was short enough. He told her to like gain weight and act like a man. She did police training in an era where, like, nobody, like, you know, these days, every fucking action movie that comes out, the cast, like, yeah, I trained as a fucking Navy SEAL for eight months just for this part. And, like, every actor is just basically an assassin waiting to be activated. (laughs) Um, Back in the day, they're like, yeah, you're gonna be cops, put on the uniform, fuck off. And she went and got police training for a bit. I think her father was a cop, so. Yeah, and he wanted to make sure she wasn't sexualized. I do think that the scene of them... You know, they're, they're like half day or that hour or whatever it is together 
it does have some sexual charge to it. Like, he's kind of flirting with her. And that especially because his wife leaves and, like, she's all he's got left kind of thing, it does sort of leave this romantic option. It's and she's option. in all the movies, but, like, it never they never go there. Yeah. And I do like that she, <coughs> you know... I mean, she's not a huge character. Like, she does disappear for large swaths of it. But, like, you know, she gets to save the day a bit. And I mean, she's, she's there the during the, the, emo- the emotional high point of the movie yeah, when like, yeah. he takes off the mask and all the rest of it. <laughs> Got to get that thing back on for Robocop 2. Uh, like, he takes it off 2. and it's off for the whole rest of the movie. And it's like, this is who I am now. This is the face of Murphy. And then they're like, no, he's Robocop. He's Robocop. <laughs> put his fucking helmet on and make him put his gun in his leg again. Genuinely, that is clearly what executives like giggled their tits off and clapped about whenever it happened. And as you say, to replace that with Michael K. Williams, it's just endemic of how movies are made now, isn't it? I mean, like... they, they obviously bump up the wife role and obviously <laughs> yeah. probably some level of like, oh, we need like, can't be on the job romance, it's got to be the wife. And it's like, yeah, but the wife is kind of like a homage to like Paradise Lost and stuff like that. When yeah. like he goes to the house and like he's following her ghost around. And... Yes, the, the trope of the like missing wife. POV shots in uh, Community Arbed mm. and Annie film a bunch of fake ones where she's like <laughs> trying to kiss the camera and stuff yeah and, and that scene where he's walking around their old home which has a fucking digital realtor in it which haunting um <laughs> That is the scene that made Verhoeven want to do the movie. He could, like, perfectly picture this idea of the guy walking through the home and, like, it's been stripped bare and everything's ruined and he can remember when it was still white everywhere because it's the 80s. But, like, you know, his family lived there and and all of that stuff being in there in this movie that is primarily popular because man spins gun and puts it in leg and just shoots a bunch of bad guys. I mean, that's the thing is, like, you you talk about this movie and it's, like, Rob Bottin's special effects are incredible. Mm-hmm. Peter Weller is fucking great as Robocop. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, there's the legacy of like, it took them like, I think, like 11 hours to get him in the suit on the first day. Oh my God. And like, then when he started to like actually do the first day of movie, he just couldn't move. Because yeah. like, they were obviously intending this suit to be like, originally they wanted to be like a cat and he's like moving around like super slickly and stuff <laughs> like that. And instead. Or like the new one where he's like all sleek and agile and black exactly, and that's, curved. That's... <laughs> That's what the plan was, and so eventually they had to like get a movement coach to come in to kind of help Peter Weller come up. Yeah, with he what worked the with a mime be. and like practiced in American football gear and stuff. And like to his credit, like I mean, th- they looked at all the big action. You know, they looked at Arnie. Oh, he's going to look ridiculous in this giant suit. Can't cast Arnie. They look at all these actors. A lot of them don't want to do it because like their face is covered for most of it. it- it's the dread thing where like only mm. Carl Urban has so little ego that he's willing to only show the the lower part of his face for the whole movie. Well, so you want someone who's got a more interesting bottom of their face, and I think I mean, that, got genuinely, that. he's cast because he's got such kissy lips. Like, he's pouting the whole fucking time, like, dead or alive, you're giving me a kiss, kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he's, to his credit, I think he's really good in this role. Like, the movement oh, he's, is, he's great. is top-notch. Like, I'm sure it was an absolute nightmare to, to get there, but, like, the action of, like, turning the head first or, like, you know, he walks in one direction and then suddenly turns. Like, he, he nails all of that. Yeah, every um, single movement in this movie is, like, so deliberate that it yeah. makes it, like, it gives weight to everything that's happening. Nothing feels like it's a decision that's being made on the fly or off the cuff or anything like that. It all feels, like, perfectly planned, perfectly reactive, and I think that's what makes... Robocop so cool. 
ultimately. And but obviously, like it kind of breaks the movie when you've got this subversive element underneath it, <laughs> and you've got like all of this shit going on, and at the center of it, you've got cool guy with cool robot costume who does cool shit. And so many people are able to overlook all the subversive elements of this movie <laughs> and go straight for the cool yeah. robot do cool shit. Yeah. So, I mean, before we get fully into it, because I'm ready, I'm, I'm so ready. Released July of 1987. Our second trip in 1987. Uh, we played a little game with Nicolas Cage last week and we have another 1987 movie coming next, which made a lot more money than this one. So Benjamin, why don't you talk us through the big acclaimed movies of 1987? So yeah, obviously number one acclaimed movie of the year is Wings of Desire, Wim Wenders' German movie. Of course. Um, but also out this year you've got Whitnell and I, a movie in which an ex of mine was very into the idea of doing the drinking game where you drink exactly what they drink throughout the entire movie. <laughs> Whilst you watch the movie, they drink a they drink a shot of lighter fluid in that movie. <laughs> I guess that got conveniently left off the drinking list. No, it didn't. Oh no! Are they alive? Then I've not spoken to them in, in like a decade, so <laughs> who knows? <laughs> well, this episode got dark. <laughs> Evil Dead Two, Full Metal Jacket, a movie which I've not seen as of record recently, but I will be watching as part of my Kubrick run. Nice. We will see whether or not I agree that it is better than the movies below it. Raising Arizona, which we covered last week. Robocop, yeah. which we're covering this week. Yeah. Catherine Bigelow's Near Dark. You got a short film about killing Princess Bride, Last Emperor, uh, Broadcast News. Lots of really great movies on this list. It's a weird year where it's kind of like it's something I'm kind of realizing about 1980s in Hollywood and stuff like that is that like a lot of the best movies are a lot of the big pop culture ones. Yeah. Like like often off in outside of America, a lot of the best movies are all being kind of like quite foreign, quite intellectual. But in America, it's like all of the best ones are like, it's Robocop, it's Back to the Future, it's Terminator. It's it's these things that like stand time. And I don't think anyone is making, barely any Oscar dramas are kind of bleeding through in this decade, it feels like. Yeah, for sure. Like when I look at like the episodes we're releasing, this feels like, you know, a podcast that started as like, let's watch some stuff that vaguely was in Oscar contention and it's like devolved into Jurassic Park, Back to the Future, The Terminator, <laughs> fuck yeah! But even then, some of these movies are like, they're sneaking into the Oscars. Yeah. It's just, it feels like the Oscars and what the idea of a good movie is has like kind of completely diverged. Yeah, that's when they started uh, solving racism. But yeah, but it's the idea that like Raves the Lost Ark is nominated for Best Picture and stuff yeah. like that. And like mm. this movie has got Oscar nominations. And oh, mm, Robocop was nominated for Best Sound and okay. it was nominated for Best Film Editing. It wasn't nominated for Best Costume Design and Best Makeup, mm. which is a fucking travesty. Do you know what was nominated for Best Makeup in that year? Something really not good. So it was Happy New Year, <laughs> which is a lot of old age makeup, which is uh, from right. our old friend John G. Albertson. Right, yeah. The winner, of course, a movie which made us believe that Bigfoot was real harry and the hendersons that's just a guy in a furry suit <laughs> yeah you know what happens in this movie robocop takes his mask off and then his face is like got like wires and shit in the background mm-hmm. he puts Fucking a drill great. into the side of his head that is longer than i mean it's obviously you know like a trick it's obviously, it's obviously coming out, yeah. and everything but like ostensibly more drill comes out of his head than there's space for so yeah, not giving it's this movie up. best makeup, it, like even a nomination that's travesty. And obviously, at this point, they're only giving out two nominations yeah. for some of these things. But like, fucks me up. I'm like, oh yeah, two movies, I guess. Like, you couldn't just politely like just name a third. No, two. Fuck off. It did get a special achievement award for the sound effects editing of RoboCop, which I assume is just guns sound real cool. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, makeup makeup Oscars have always been weird because obviously, yeah, yeah. I mean, you end up in the situation where, well, I guess Killer Croc looked good enough to win an Academy Award. No, false. 
Um. <laughs> anyway, um, Suicide Squad Academy Award winning movie. Yeah, I can only assume Black Adam will get the same treatment. By the time this is out, we'll know how big of a flop that is. It made seven million on its opening night, which means it's probably not going to be a flop. Yeah, but doesn't it have to? It's going to make like sixty million an opening weekend, and then like it. Costs... Oh, it might, it might, it might drop a hell of a lot. But it's probably oh yeah, do, I'm sure the opening do... weekend will be fine, and then it'll just die on the vine because. Word will get out, it's terrible. But who knows? The balance of power has shifted in the DC universe. <laughs> what an ego that man has. No, I have to say it now. We were talking the other day about how, like, Black Adam, The Rock is like, yeah, cool, sign me up. Shazam's nemesis? I'll pay Black Adam, no problem. And they're like, yeah, cool, we'll introduce you in Shazam 2. He's like, no, I want a solo movie. Like, no, he, be, he was supposed to be in Shazam 1. He oh, separated right. out of the first Shazam movie okay. to make his own spin off movie. Yeah, um, and they're like, you're The Rock, fine, we'll make a movie with you to you that's fine and then you'll be in shazam too right and he's like no i will only fight superman it's like cool you know you exist only as an obvious parallel to shazam right no i'm black adam top villain of the dc universe what, what does black adam say when he transforms into black adam or does do we not ever find I out think what he, he says, says shazam as well I mean, I don't know in the movie. I haven't seen it, but I think in the comics he says Shazam. I better say Shazam. I want to see The Rock say Shazam. He definitely says Shazam as well. Yeah, because in in Injustice, the comic books, when Superman and Wonder Woman are like getting real militant about cleaning up crime, she lasso of truths Black Adam and says, "What are your magic words?" And then he says Shazam and turns into a withered old man and dies. And then he's in Injustice too, because I guess he doesn't die. But yeah, it's like, oh yeah, I guess you could have just done that. All wait, wait, wait! I can bring this. I can bring this full circle. You know who's in not the spin-off, but the progenitor series of uh, Injustice? Robocop, Robocop is in Mortal Kombat 11. Yeah, he is. They've done like Alien, Terminator, Leatherface, Michael Myers, every everyone, and then they're also like, ah, fuck it, Rambo and fucking Robocop, voiced by Peter Weller. The first time voicing the character since he'd left the role in the eighties. Uh, I think he did a commercial oh, maybe for he, okay, KFC. Full but... <laughs> things. And then direct line as well. Oh he also did, he was also in Family Guy the Quest for Stuff as Robocop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was old man Bruce in uh, Dark Knight Returns and he's not great. Um, uh, but now he's a pretty good director. Yeah. Michael Ironside was very good as old man Bruce in a much earlier adaptation of Dark Knight Returns and Michael Ironside turned down the role of villain in this movie because he's like I've done too many villains and he's like you know what you're right and also Kurtwood Smith fucking rules in this movie Kurtwood Smith does although I think he was up for either the Miguel Ferrer or Dick Jones role but either way um let's talk about this fucking movie so like right from the jump if you know who made Starship Troopers (laughs) it's very clear where the ideas for Starship Troopers come from as we start with fake news complete with fake commercials for things like Sports Heart and Newcomb, the fun family terrorism game, and the 6000 SUX, which is just glorious. And I love that throughout the whole movie, characters are constantly watching TV, and they giggle like fucking invalids every time that guy says, I'd buy that for a dollar. And it's like, how do you not see that they're making fun of you to your face, America? But to be fair, I'd buy that for a dollar as a great catchphrase. It's not, though, is the thing. No, it is. It's great. Okay. It's, I'd buy so. that for a dollar, Matthew. Yeah, but he's saying it when it's like, look at these hot ladies. <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah, but it's like the crass, the crass commercialization of just like, I'd, I'd buy a sexy lady delivering me food for a dollar. I Yeah. And then you've got like a meal when, when the city descends into riots because the cops have struck. 
striked, stricken, what is, anyway. Gone on strike. Yeah, everyone's looting, and he breaks a shop window so he can turn the volume up on the fucking show, <laughs> and then he's just sitting like, ah. But no, we start with the news, and it is very, very similar to, like, the whole, would you like to know more? I think there's a, the difference, though, is that obviously they put a more human face on this one. Like, the would you yeah, know more yeah, is yeah, kind yeah, of, yeah. like, all all very, like, totalitarian, kind of, like, dictatorship level what's sure. going on. Whereas this one is, like, smiling people talking about, like, 17 people are dead, and you're like, and that's how the news actually is these days. Yeah. <laughs> a war with a theme song. I mean, I think the news has got more kind of like weird dichotomy between it where like they'll go from like 15 people have died in a horrific car accident. But look at this cute chipmunk. Right? Look at this local circle. goose. <laughs> yeah. Something to deploy as like environmental storytelling almost. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're delivering a way like not only are you delivering what's happening in the world and giving you like some shorthand but you're also giving some extraneous context for what the world is like yeah and well, the president I think lot- is visiting a satellite and and like oh there was a little bit of weightlessness briefly but <laughs> also a lot of people I mean, are dead in south africa i mean also there's that one where like the lasers get discharged and like two former presidents have been killed in this and you're like that's that would- an assassination attempt isn't it like, <laughs> yeah. that is, like they have done this on purpose you don't discharge a random laser and murder two <laughs> former presidents if it isn't like a very blatant assassination. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's also very similar to Starship Troopers in that when we see the cops in, in Detroit, old Detroit, all the men and women are just getting naked together. Paul Verhoeven <laughs> is a very horny man. Yeah. And as you can tell from the fact that he's made movies such as Showgirls <laughs> and Elle. My nipples are hard, Benedetta. why aren't yours? <laughs> That's not the line, but it's similar. Um, have, you seen, have you seen Benedetta? I haven't. Oh, Benedetta's re- good. Okay. But, like, it's horny lesbian nuns. They fuck a Jesus statue. Obviously. Like, they carve, like, a Jesus statue and use it as a dildo. Um, they are brides of Christ. Why wouldn't they? And then sexy Jesus shows up in, like, in like vision scenes occasionally and, like, does murders. Is it Justin Theroux who played a no. sexy Jesus in The Ten? No, it's not. Mm. It's it's some it's some like French guy, I think. Uh, not as sexy as Justin Theroux. No, not as sexy as Justin Theroux. I uh, saw somebody say the leftovers would be considered a top tier show if um, Colin Farrell had played the lead role that was clearly made for him, and I was like, how dare you? I like Colin Farrell, but like Justin Theroux is great in the leftovers. I think it would. I think in the world of TV that we exist in now, yeah. Justin Theroux is obviously great, but I think if they had got someone with a bit more star power, there might be some people who would have stuck with it a bit longer yeah. in the lead role. Well, yeah, Sadly. I mean, as you would have heard on our podcast about it, I was struggling with it early on, and then it kind of settles into a new groove. I'm like, oh, he's depressed. Got it. Yeah, once they figure out that the lead character is just incredibly depressed, the most depressed man in the world. No, the most depressed man in the world is like anyone living in Detroit in Robocop. <laughs> yeah, so like, you know, we get we get the stuff with the police station and we're moving through the physical space. Love it, love it, love it. A huge um, bonus from us every time that you understand the geography of a building. You know, Murphy is, is the new guy and he's been partnered with, with Anne Lois. And, you know, we're also seeing the fucking boardroom of OCP, who are, what are they called? Omni-consumer products, which is... Even the name yeah, is great. And, <laughs> and that thing is, you get, you get this thing where, like, they're introducing Murphy, they're showing him to be, like, he's from a different precinct and stuff like that. Yes. And it, I mean, it almost feels like... I don't, the movie never comes out and says, but it almost feels like they're getting... Murphy into this precinct explicitly to kill him so he can become Robocop. Yes, um, Miguel Ferrer says I'm placing candidates in every precinct or whatever and it's like clearly Murphy was placed here as a candidate not sure what makes a good candidate but him apparently. No, but then it's also like you get the, like, you get the feeling that like the movie could have gone like one step further and had like Ferrer like higher 
oh yeah have been killed. to kill yeah, yeah, yeah. to kill murphy and then you find out that he also works for dick jones like there's there's all yeah i think that probably actually would have been a little bit cleaner than the like wild coincidence that the guy that murphy is looking for is also like working for dick jones yeah like, then... if he's if he just like a person for hire for ocp to do like kind of like blacklist things or whatever like yeah. the dick jones character almost feels like I don't know. Like we've got three, we've got three roles at OCP. Yeah, we've got the old man who never gets a name. You've got Dick Jones who is number two and hates Bob Morton, and then Bob Morton kind of displaces him with the Robocop pitch, and then Dick Jones has Bob Morton murdered. And it's like I really thought we were setting Bob Morton up as like kind of the secondary villain here. I think I that's like, why. Nope. That's why the movie's like because so, Miguel Ferrer is really fucking good in this yeah, movie yeah fucking rules because he's just having fun he said like I just wanted to work and like my part was much easier so I just had fun with it I mean you've got like the erotic tension of the scene where they're in the bathroom together and yes. they're, like they're almost about to fucking kiss it yes. feels like at points eyes, so. eyes almost touching mouth um, it's very much Top Gun acting it is funny that this movie has two grabs him by the hair you know a little, does, bit, a little is... bit of rough play it is funny that this movie has two Twin Peaks alums, like, <laughs> literally kind of, like, two, three years away from starting on Twin Peaks. Yeah. And um, also, McGuffra voiced Deathstroke in his final years on this planet, and obviously Peter Weller was Batman, and there you go, we've got two DC alums, too. <laughs> I'll always find a way, Ben, don't you worry. He's a great voice for Deathstroke. He was great. He was awesome as Deathstroke. We miss McGuffra. Great yeah. actor. Just good for anything you want him to do, to be honest. Like, yeah. He was in Iron Man 3, right? He was, like, the, the vice president. He's the, he's, the, he's, the, he's the vice president in that, and obviously, yeah, like, he yeah. did get to reprise his role as, as Rosenfeld in Twin Peaks, and he's, like, in yeah. most of the show. I think, literally, his last role was, like, one of the shitty animated DC movies where Deathstroke is, like, the best part of it. It's, like, Twin Peaks Return, Teen Titans, The Judas Contract. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Um, and, <laughs> really and bad. Then, and then he's also the stretch monster and helicopter pilot in Stretch Armstrong and the Flex Fighters. Oh, obviously. Obviously. But here, he's Bob Morton. And, yeah, we, we see the OCP boardroom, just this comically large table of, of just fucking yuppies in suits completely and... nameless completely anonymous yeah 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 all to and like that their leader is co- just called the old man exclusively as a as a fun touch yeah and then dick jones demos ed 209 in glorious stop motion oh, i love it so much <laughs> yeah i know you do as i said to you <laughs> i like stop motion when everything is stop motion i think... i think that this movie makes enough smart rules where like very rarely is there stop motion and live action in this same shot or at least they're moving live action like they're putting on like live action plates yeah. but I, I understand why like you might find but like it just, there is it, I, I think I get why they did it and you get away with it here more than you do the gremlins and gremlins and the demon and ghostbusters but because it's a robot so of course it moves weird but yeah when one thing is moving at a completely different pace to everything else I'm like ah, I don't know huge fan of Murphy defeating it by having human feet <laughs> um, I love the little cries it makes as well. Yeah, like, why is it making weird monster noises? <laughs> I love that their ideal future cop is just a murder tank covered in guns, brutally yeah. murdering people and giving people 15 that, to 20 that, seconds. That's what gives this movie enough edge for you to say, like, it's not quite pro-cop. It obviously is like, maybe police is a necessary thing. And obviously the movie, like, obviously a big part of, like, defund the police is, like, it mm. isn't about abolishing the police for some people it is but obviously it, it's more I about... think you need something 
of that yeah, it's, nature. It's, yeah. Defund the police is more of a thing where it's like, let's reinvest into things that are actually helpful. Like, if people are having mental health crises, why is the blanket response to all ills of life to send police after them? Send a man with a gun. Yeah. 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 Like, that, that should not be a thing. I mean, like, a racist and... man with a gun. Uh, yeah. A racist sex offender with a gun. But obviously, this movie <laughs> is just kind of going like, I mean, the movie has the hat tip towards the, the rape response unit. Yes. But still, fundamentally, every single crime in this movie is let's send a guy with a gun who can't be shot back and all the rest of it. <laughs> whose first response to every single thing is to shoot first and presumably ask questions later. There's no de escalation of anything. It's yeah. just he here's barely my gun. arrests anyone. <laughs> here's my gun. Put your gun down now in the next 10 seconds. Otherwise, I will murder you. And it's the same response from Ed 209 and from Robocop. Yeah. And... It's just that Ed 209 is like so on the nose with it just being a walking gun and they're like no this needs a human touch and then robocop has the exact same protocols he's like yeah you got like fucking 10 seconds or i shoot you in the dick <laughs> like okay fair enough as i said at the top like him dying on their model city of detroit where they're just <laughs> going to build neo detroit over the top of old detroit and move all the rich people up there yeah 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 just that that city is then covered in blood and they're like ah well Mwah. Dick Jones will talk about how like these were going to be guaranteed military sales. They've they've already they've already sold them, haven't they? Or they like pre-sold them or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. That's and they've why got like so a twenty-five year contract for spare parts, and he's like, "Who cares if it works or not?" And it's like, "Yeah, perfect." What, what more do you need to say? Yeah, just so good for me. The fucking secret source of the movie, and I love talking about secret sources of movies. Clarence's gang. Yeah, my fucking kingdom. <laughs> for villains this charismatic again it doesn't happen anymore they try and cast one like towering figure as a villain and then all the henchmen are just ethnically ambiguous mute guys who just <sighs> yeah it's nothing and like all of these people are so fucking charismatic even, even the ones even, that don't talk as much <laughs> yeah even when you think of something like die hard which obviously has memorable henchmen it yeah. still very much is driven by boy alan rickman is good Whereas this movie is like, here are five guys. All of them are going to get moments. All of them are going to have like a memorable thing that happens to them. Yeah. Some of them are going to get multiple moments that are memorable in terms of what they do. I mean, obviously, because obviously Kurtwood Smith gets to like be the central figure of this. He gets to blow up Miguel Ferreira. He's so good as well. Like that he that his most, for better or worse, maybe re- most recognizable role is boring boomer dad in, in that that seventies show. Mm. And he's like an excellent dirtbag villain here who is just openly the worst human being in the world and like, like really shoots, down and dirty and like yeah, yeah shoots the hand off of murphy first and then basically yeah. just says like yeah guys go nuts and then they just unload an unreal amount of bullets into murphy just laughing their asses off blowing the rest of his arm off and he's like all right enough of that and just headshots him and you know he just spends the movie just really you know he's like threatening slumlords and dropping slurs and hitting on receptionists and in prison, out of prison. He's uh, just so when, when, when he fucking spits the blood on the paper and is just like, get me my phone call. <laughs> like, I, like, I could talk about all of these guys and the yeah. moments. I think, like, Calvin Young is the only one who doesn't get, like, super memorable stuff, but that's mostly because he's the only one that's kind of not in that final stretch. Yeah, but in, in that first scene when they murder him, even he is charismatic. Oh yeah, no, one hundred percent. It's just, it's just he's the one who kind of like fades yeah, out. Yeah, he's the one like, that fades out while like Paul McCrane gets the main. Paul McCrane gets the like the most second most famous scene in this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I'm just like yeah, where he gets runs into toxic waste, becomes oh, a toxic goop monster, and then run over by a car. Bursts like a fucking bag. <laughs> That scene makes no sense in context of the rest of the movie, but it fucking rules. It fucks, fucks so hard. You've Ray got... Wise gets to Ray Wise gets to yeah. go dancing. Yeah. Jesse D. Goins gets to like have his dick be looked at by <laughs> by Nancy Allen before clocking her in the face. 
Yep. <laughs> just pissing when they do the raid. And he's like, oh, hey. <laughs> it's like... Your tone is not matching. Um, I also love how like he gets the same car yes, as Bodica. Yes, he gets the and they just blow <laughs> it up. I love when he says, how was the Grey Bar Hotel to a meal? He's like, oh yeah, it's great, they let me keep the shirt, and it's his fucking prison uniform, because <laughs> they've all gotten pardons <laughs> and new cars and shit. Very, very good. But yeah, this gang, just really good, like, in a way that disappears... I guess somewhere in the late nineties, where yeah, you're more likely to get it as like the hero group than as the villain group nowadays. Yeah, yeah. Like if you're but... gonna get it, they're gonna be anti, they're gonna be anti heroes, and they're gonna be a little rough around the edges. And like yeah. maybe they'll do a movie where they like get killed off. And I feel like that's symbolic of like what Predator does to a lot of this genre, which is like let's get a bunch of guys. Obviously, Predator is like a treatise on like American interventionist policies and whatnot, yeah. and 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 like fighting against native native peoples, and I think, which I which think comes back a large whole, part wholesale in prey. Yeah, I think that is a large part of it that like you start to see it just be whoever America's at war with. Like it's Russians, then it's people from the Middle East, and then it's Asians, and now it's Russians again. Like you know, like it it just becomes these generic placeholders for American foreign policy. And back in the day, they were like, let's just cast some really fucking charismatic guys that you want to see get hurt kind of thing and now it's like i don't care if the good guy wins <laughs> like because i don't give a shit about the bad guys but yeah they fucking rule and in this scene you know murphy is shooting first he's doing his his gun tricks and you know they're like fucking opening fire from a moving vehicle like he's he's dual wielding pistols hanging out the window of a car on a highway the cops later on will fully open fire while Ann Lewis is in the car like yeah just shoot him and it's like <laughs> yeah okay this is anti-cop I get it but yeah he gets his his horrific horrific murder really well done super super violent and then we get this sequence of just like we're seeing them operating on him from his POV. We're seeing the Robocop... Well, he's, like, coming online at various points. Like, them starting to work on him. Them having a New Year's Eve party. Them bringing him online. You know, they're very careful about not showing you him. It's all really good. He's having his prophetic dreams of TJ Laser, who he becomes, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I like the little touch that they were able to save his left arm. He's like, fucking why? Get rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, oh, okay. And he's like, you're going to be a bad motherfucker. It's like, yeah, amazing stuff. He eats brown food, brown he eats baby brown, brown food. Ba- brown baby food. I do love the touch of them having like the New Year's party. Yes, I think it's really good. Both to show a passage of time and it also just gives it a little bit of flavour. I don't know. Yeah. It just um, says how long he's been out for as yeah, well. Like, yeah, just because yeah. like, when he wakes up and obviously like Anne Lewis is just kind of like, she spots him in the hallway and is just like, is that? Murphy, like the only person who spent any decent time with him in this precinct, yeah. and like it goes... also, you know, the idea that his wife and kid would have moved away already and everything. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, because he was he was out for a while. <laughs> like he said, we're ready to go to market in like ninety days or something like that. And I don't do know you... if they meet that target, but yeah. It's do been you like reckon? Do you reckon he's pe- he's like signed a waiver saying that they can do this with his court? They say or do you that. Reckon... They say that when they're talking about it, I think they say it's it's in his you know it's in his, it, in his contract. contract. He signed a waiver. We own him. And he, and he technically died, so, like, we own his corpse, we can do what we want. Another part of it, that they've just casually bought the police, and apparently every policeman is, is the legal property of OCP. Um, and he has turned into Robocop, and he is told, go get him, boy. <laughs> 
Yeah, and then the middle of this movie is literally just kind of like a montage of you think Miguel Ferreira is going to like win one over and kind of like take over for Dick Jones, but he gets wiped out like halfway through. Like the, the middle chunk of this movie has very little Robocop. It's just kind of like little montages of what he's doing, including like the bit where like you know what you know what Robocop should do, and probably the start of the idea that kids really like Robocop. He what? should go visit a preschool or like <laughs> and hang out with like small children for a day. Yeah, and then you would get all that like they do that in Starship Troopers, don't they? Where they're all mm. like holding the guns and stuff, and they're like yeah. Kids interacting with military weapons in a yes. cheerful way is like a really, really kind of like fucked up, effective imagery. Yeah, but it's America. Apparently, that was one of the best days on set as well. Is that like, can you imagine like you've been shooting for like a month and a half or whatever, and then you get to go hang out with a bunch of like really enthusiastic kids who get to meet a fucking robot man? Yes. <laughs> Imagine being in school that day and they say, like, kids, a film crew is coming here to, to meet you. You will never see this movie, <laughs> but you will get to meet this guy. And then, like, fucking six foot three Paul Peter Weller walks through the door. Yeah, like, we, we do see, you know, obviously things are going better for Morton, but then he has his power struggle with Dick Jones, who you'd be forgiven for thinking was just going to disappear from the movie. Like, his his Ed he 209 lo- he loses, thing. He loses almost immediately with the Ed 209 thing. And you're like, yeah. oh, yeah, cool. And then now it's just, like, what's going to go wrong for Bob Morton? Yeah. And the Robocop thing, he's like, presumably you think, oh yeah, Murphy's going to like regain his humanity and kind of like rebel against the powers yeah. or whatever. Yeah, and it doesn't go that way really at all. We get to see Bob Morton having a, a coke and hookers fest. And then uh, Clarence just walks in and is like, bitch is out and uh, just murders him. Yep. Le- leaves a fun grenade with a digital dispra- display for no reason and just walks out and yeah, he's dead. Yeah, and now it's now it's time for Dick Jones to be the, the main villain of the rest of the movie. Yeah, because I mean, we you know, you say Robocop's not in it much. I mean, we do see him, you know, we've talked about his, you know, the various crimes he's stopping and the pitch is he's just going to patrol basically 24-7, only come in to bring criminals in or when there's like a meeting but he will just mostly just be permanently on patrol and he coincidentally you know after like the robbery where he trashes more of the store than they would have lost in money if they'd been robbed and you know (laughs) shooting the guy in the dick and then the insane man who wants his job back oh yeah just playing that to 15 in a glorious way he's so good i want i want a car that's gonna like guzzle gas or whatever it is he says like he just wants like the least least proficient car that you could possibly get me i want you to call a recount and even if i lose i want my job back he's like i guess i want my job back and then robocop just bursts through the wall and drags him away so apparently obviously like visual effects are like really really basic at this point so they can't really do a heat vision so apparently like that is like everyone dressed up like that Right. With like the lights turned off and like glow in the dark image like stuff put on them. Amazing. So it's all done in camera. Just a fun little Amazing. thing that they're doing. I you miss when movies had to be like scrappy and figure yeah. out how to do yeah. things yeah. because yeah. they couldn't just go to a CGI company and go, Hey, make this for us. Yes. Art comes from trying to solve problems in very unorthodox ways. But yes, he coincidentally runs into Emil, and from there, he begins to have a bit of a crisis. You know, Emil recognises him, he thinks he recognises Emil, and then he he arrests him, but then he, you know, he plugs his data spike, very important, uh, <laughs> into their database and is, you know, looking for his mugshot, finds the whole gang, and then begins kind of trying to solve his own murder, you know, visits the house... Has nightmares. Has nightmares. Yeah, he's not supposed to be able to dream. And that he's having this horrific nightmare while they're just not even looking. (laughs) And off he goes to start visiting the house. And I like the the touch that, like, this is years before police body cameras. 
Mm-hmm. And like he is constantly walking around and recording everything he's doing, and, and yeah. like it doesn't really. I mean, it pays off in the sense that he records multiple confessions and stuff. But like you know, it, it it's an element that they couldn't have known it was going to be a thing. But it is it is very prescient now. He tries to arrest Dick after take. You know, he 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 busts them all up and he brings in Clarence, and you know we talked about that. And Clarence just immediately gets out. He tries to bring in Dick. Oh wait, there's a fourth objective. Um, I don't know if they're trying to play into the th- you know the three rules of robotics, Asimov's big three. Uh, I, assume, I assume it probably is. But... I assume it probably is something similar to that, but like more of a dystopian kind of yeah. thing where like it's not like you can't harm people because obviously he's a robot yes. and he needs to fucking shoot people up. It's like so maintain so... the public trust or something yeah. like that and uphold the which law is such a and... such a vague a yes. vague thing. <laughs> what does that mean? But yes, there is a secret fourth objective. He is not allowed to harm any OCP executive, so he's just standing there, basically unable to do anything, while uh, Dick Jones just lords it over him. I mean, and then and then obviously he goes downstairs and finds out the entire police force is there. Some of them fight back and go, like, he's one of us, but they're just like, nah, we're yeah, going to do our yeah, jobs yeah. because we're being commanded to. He gets shot an awful lot, survives. Yeah. We get him to take the mask off, which is obviously like the emotional high point of like, him finally coming around to being a person, because like, you get the progression of the movie where like he starts as Murphy, then he starts referring to himself as Robocop, then he starts referring to Murphy in like the third person mm-hmm. as like I, he died, I am now different, yeah. and obviously he's all building up to the idea that like the 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 final line of the movie. But like at this point, he's taken the mask off. You get some fantastic prosthesis work that we've already discussed in the movie, where like they had to build his head over his head so they could like make it look realistic in terms of how the the wiring was going to work and all the rest of it. And then basically Clarence's gang is like just tracking him on the track and just kind of finished the yeah, job. They've got the fucking, the, the yeah. fuck off huge guns that the are just going to like... guns, basically, yeah. yeah. I like while he and Anne are like, you know, rebuilding, rehabilitating, you know, she brings him his gun and all that. When he's doing his target practice, it's at pictures of, like, it's baby food and they're just, <laughs> I don't know why, I, I I just think it's funny that it's these pictures of, of, of a baby and he's shooting at them. <laughs> it's like, okay... <laughs> But also, um, like, there's, some, there's something tender to him, like doing the recalibrating of his like aiming yeah. and stuff like that, isn't it? Where like you're not, I'm not sure what the aim is, or if it's just like he points at the wrong place and then she points him to where the right place is, and then basically he just resets his gun yeah, to. I don't know where if that it's is. like damage from the shooting or like the visor was doing something for him, but yeah, they arrive with their giant fucking cannons and. He just slaughters them, most of them anyway. Yeah, they keep shooting, but they keep missing, and they don't hit him like directly. And then yeah. once he once he's disposed of them in the variety of ways that he does, yeah, um, drop a bunch of girders on him. Yep, Ray Wise does that before biting it. Yep, and uh, then uh, Data and spikes then... him in the throat and kills <sighs> him. So good, so, so good. good. So and good. then he gets to use the tank gun on Ed two hundred nine. Like I love that. Like he's already taken out an Ed two hundred nine on the steps by having it like tripped down the stairs. And then this yeah. one is just like it doesn't fucking matter at this point. I've got the tank gun. It is also really funny how long Ed two hundred nine deliberates about stepping on that step. You know, <laughs> like it's not like it just goes for it and stacks it. It like really gingerly is trying to take the step and goes ah ooh 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 ooh. <laughs> and then the the Ed two hundred nine is just a pair of legs at the end of it and stuff. Yeah, and, and then, then he just then... goes upstairs and and you know Dick makes one last play. You know he takes the old man hostage, but that gets him fired. And then <laughs> Directive Four doesn't apply anymore. And again, like everyone cheering and treating it as this great love, thing as he I love shoots how, him to death out of yeah, the window. Shoot, I love how like quick this movie is. The wrap up. I mean, obviously it's come up before on these yeah. on these movies, but like just how quick this is. But this movie is just like it's so rapid, yeah. and it's a lot more effective than than like Karate Kid is in his wrap up. <laughs> where like once you get to the wrap up, it's just like 
boom, 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 boom. Here's, here's Miyagi doing like the thumbs up and then cut to credits. Whereas yeah. this movie is like, he gets in there, Directed 4 gets rescinded because they fired Dick Jones. He shoots him through a window. You get the villain falling off. Everyone's cheering. And he walks out the room and like the old man kind of like confidence is shooting at his name when he just goes Murphy and this hard cut to Robocop. Yeah. I mean, one of those feels like it was a logistical restriction because they only had the building for so long. And this feels like rapid editing to get under a certain runtime. And also like, God bless how- 80s movies for being under two hours generally yeah. like how how good is that last line though as yeah. like an entire summation of what this movie is about yep. like smiles like, says murphy he's arrived here without his faceplate on the implication is he will never put that thing on again and then robocop 2 he's back in the fucking helmet and he's back in and there's a point where like he's like stalking his wife and kid and then she's like oh you're murphy aren't you and she confronts me like Murphy is dead. <laughs> and it's like, you have just missed every part of it. And that's the one when they got fucking Peter Weller to come back. And then he's like, oh no, I'm not doing So I guess, I mean, like, there's a couple of things I do want to bring up. It's, yeah. it's so weird how involved in this franchise Frank Miller is. Yes. Because um, obviously he writes a script for two. Yes. That I don't think gets fully used. His first draft became three. His second draft is two. Yeah, so like it's like a mix and match of what elements he's doing for it. And then obviously mm-hmm. in 2003, they finally did Frank Miller's Robocop, which wasn't actually written or drawn by him. No. It's just like them taking the original script, I think, with supervision from Frank Miller. But this is Frank Miller in 2003. He was like, he's obviously still doing Sin City at this point, but this is kind of like peak Frank Miller in like a really weird political kind of like sketchy headspace and stuff like yeah. that where he's doing like he's like what the third dark knight rises book becomes holy terror mm-hmm. which is his like massive treatise on like the iraq war and stuff like that but yeah. is is just as racist as 300 is like the 2000s is a weird decade for frank miller in terms of his talent but i think that the more important one to mention in terms of like what that is doing is he wrote but didn't draw because Walter Simonson, best known for, for his contributions to the Thor franchise, yeah. and also the the X Men franchise with with being the yeah, designer yeah, of Apocalypse yeah. and Mark Angel and stuff like that. Yeah. He draws Terminator versus Robocop, <laughs> which yeah. is a dope dope fucking comic, which was almost made into a movie, yeah. and I feel like is what sets up like I think at one point Dark Horse had the rights to the kind of the big four of like Terminator, Robocop alien and predator and the plan was to have all of them cross over in a comic book Oh, I think we didn't even mention um, Judge Dredd heavily influenced yes. the the tone of this and like Dead or Alive, you're coming with me and just the way you know covering the whole top of the face, you, you know it's 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 very clearly of a pair with. I'm not saying the Stallone Judge Dredd movie is great or anything, but it is iconic and like you know the whole I am the raw. It, you can tell the influence and more the comic because that was saying things, man. Yeah, I mean <laughs> but, yeah. this feels like up until Dread 2012. Mm-hmm. The best adaptation of Drudge Dread we were ever gonna, <laughs> we were ever gonna get, and obviously like yeah. very different. This is overtly political. Judge Dread is like on another level because obviously all being made by like fat right, well yeah. not fat right, but like people living under Margaret Thatcher writing Judge Dread. When did when did Judge Dread start? Actually, 1977 it started. So yeah, like yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. just as Margaret Thatcher is about to come to power. Horrible uh, time. And, yeah, and then and then for whatever reason it keeps being made by American filmmakers, which is always the funniest thing about it. Which is like this intensely British. British comic taking the piss out of American culture or whatever. 
I mean, it's obviously a, it's obviously a, it's obviously a satire of both British and American culture, but the fact that Mega City One is is explicitly America yeah. does put it a level onto onto America. Um, like I said, they will let you make fun of them to their face if you give them something they can make a toy out of, and they will yep. giggle and laugh and eat it with a spoon. And swaths of people will grow up not getting it. There is literally the guy on Twitter like that's being followed around, like the the quote of him going like, "You're one of those people that thinks RoboCop is political." And it's like, yes, obviously. If you don't, you missed the entire fucking point. Yeah, there's no ambiguity here whatsoever. Like, watch literally any of those commercials and like, explain to me what you think they mean if they're not the thing political. Is, well, the thing is, I think we're reaching a point in culture where politics doesn't actually mean politics. No, like, it means it means brown people, it means women. Like, Yeah, we've, we've desensitized people to what politics means so much that people think that having corporations doesn't make it political because corporations are a way of life but mm. people of colour and women and LGBT rights are not Yes, the existence of human beings is a political statement, but corporations... That's them winning, you foolish, foolish person. <laughs> that's Robocop. Robocop fucking rules. What um, do you think of the sequels? I have vivid memories of being incredibly upset by the scene in Robocop 2 where they saw him into bits. <laughs> I haven't seen it in God knows how long. I don't know if I've ever seen Robocop 3. Yeah, the brain scene is the only thing that comes to mind with Robocop 2. I remember, like, coming down from, like, my parents watching it on at late at night one night, <laughs> and, like, the, the the brain... But I, in my head, he the brain speaks, and I don't think that is true it's of the movie. brain from Metroid. <laughs> I know they're worse. I know that that cartoon, that, that live-action show is bad, even though it, it I think it involved uh, Newmire and Miner and, like, their ideas for a sequel went into the show and stuff like that. I remember watching the remake and thinking, well, this isn't good, but it's also not, like, the worst thing I've ever seen. But then, like, if you compare it to this, like, it's night and day. Like, there is... I think we've discussed Newmire before when we did Star Trek Troopers, and it's so funny that, like, there's obviously... He's written two of the sequels, three of the sequels to Starship Troopers. He also (laughs) did the remake of Robocop. He keeps being involved in this, but it's very obviously, like, even though he does these scripts, the special source is Verhoeven. Yes. And Verhoeven's just kind of like what his predilections are. Like the script might be there, but it's very obvious that that Verhoeven is elevating it to a level where like the satire really sings and really drives mm-hmm. home more so than Newmyer, who is putting satirical elements in, but it feels like he can't quite commit to them on the level that like Verhoeven does. Phil, would you a new Western takedown by Verhoeven? <laughs> Like masquerading as a um, as a straight up movie. He's not made an English language movie since Hollow Man. Yeah, um, oh, and Kevin Bacon Hollow Man. Jesus. Yeah, which is probably his worst movie. I mean, obviously, like I think Showgirls is a, a divisive movie. Divisive movie. I think it's one of like the great bad bad good movies. If that makes yeah. sense. Like it's one of those movies where like, I think it's very objectionable, but it's very obviously well made and all these other different pieces. The and then yeah, and then after that he moved to like Black Book, L, Benedetta. Yeah. Like obviously L is L has got like a great Isabel Huppert performance, but it's all very much like what if you fell in love with your rapist? Mm. Like he's he's continually trying to push buttons whether or not that be sexual, violence, like political, religious. I hope like... he didn't direct that one naked like in Starship Troopers. <laughs> but yeah, like when when he put a movie out last year which is literally like what if we did lesbian nun movie with like full on lesbian sex scenes and sexy Jesus. He's obviously trying to push buttons yeah, still. Yeah, yeah. It's just I don't think the system in Hollywood is there for him anymore. No. And I think he said a lot of what he can say about the nature of violence. I mean everything and... he said has come true like, like yeah that, that's his legacy is all this shit that they're like 
cautionary tailing is just everyday life and like yeah but also on level like who is going to green light like obviously Sergeant Troopers cost 100 million dollars only makes 120 Robocop is also like it, it, it ma- it's made for 13.7 makes 55 53.4 uh, I've got here oh but, yeah sorry 53.4 but it, it makes they make money but it's I'm sure kind of it's thing. made a fuckload of money in other ways but yeah, yeah the movie didn't make money really well it made, it made, it made a modest to... amount of money or yeah and then modest, the sequel but... and the sequels don't make as much as the first one but they no, obviously yeah. like make enough to make people happy but i feel like no one is making movies at the budget level that verhoven would need to do the commentary that he needs to do that are rated it would be a superhero movie right like, yeah, and at what you know is it just kind of Watchmen, but not. But even then, it feels like it's pulling teeth to get someone to green light an R-rated superhero movie. Yeah, like we haven't even had confirmation that Deadpool, like Deadpool three, most likely will be R-rated. I have to imagine. I but know. like, I could see a uh, what is it? What's the one? Is it NC seventeen? The one below in America? Oh no, NC seventeen is one above. It's like oh, PG, PG, is PG thirteen R and then NC seventeen are the other really? ratings. Okay. Yeah, all right. They don't, they don't have they don't have the middle one that we do they basically yes. skip from 13 to 17 which is obviously a big issue for why they don't want r-rated movies whereas you can kind of get away with yeah. the batman being a 15 in the uk yeah whereas but, we've got 12 15 18 yeah and and that works much better because everything's a 15 basically and it's got to be really extreme to be an 18 exactly um, but then you end up with like you don't announce hugh jackman is coming back and i know that that logan was a was an r-rated movie but i feel like you don't have ryan reynolds and hugh jackman in a movie and then you yeah skip. i just could see them basically get getting away with a more slapstick style of of violence and like slightly tone the language down and like just do little bits to make it tonally the same but like yeah, skirt even, under the even yeah. if it is like they can do the violence because they have two characters who have who healing factors yeah exactly like they take turns stabbing each other in the brain or whatever. <laughs> if we're lucky it's just gonna be they'll market it as a comedy and then it's a straight recreation of uncanny x-men um <laughs> the greatest use of deadpool in anything ever okay well that's robocop that is robocop <laughs> of course it's it ends movie. in a, it's in a, a good rant movie. about deadpool 3 robocop rules it's paul verhoeven i had a tremendous amount of fun Rewatching and analyzing um, Starship Troopers right. around gonna, this time I'll... last year, and then to get to do it again is a treat. I'm I'm going to lay this card on the table as we go out. Okay, because I could have laid it down first. Okay, I think this might be the best action movie of the '80s. Oof. I'm not willing to I mean, give obviously... that to you because I don't think the action scenes themselves can compete. Oh with... no, I, that's, that's the thing is I don't think the action scenes are all that great. I just think it does. A I lot guess it, with... you know you have an argument. It is the best movie that is an action movie, yes. which feels like a weird qualifier. But I'm more willing to go with you on that version. If your main priority is not the action scenes you're probably going to make a better movie. Whereas a lot of them these days are like, well, somebody's already made an action scene, basically, in a computer. You just have to direct the stuff that happens in between. And that's why movies suck now. Yep. I don't have a smooth transition over to it, but next week we will be bringing you Broadcast News, which Ben mentioned earlier as one of the most acclaimed movies of the year. It is the reason we're not doing money or Oscars. <laughs> this week because it got both of those over our previous two 87s one of Jerome Cusson's 100 favourite movies of all time as you can read his review on the website and I'm very excited I've not seen it I know it will be right up my alley I hope it will but yeah I'm really excited to watch it and uh, yeah that will be next week that'll be next week expect lots of Simpsons references (laughs) but until then as always Benjamin there is one question will there be movies dead or alive movies are coming with me (laughs) Why not? Bye, everyone. (laughs)